Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork? Yeah. I feel like naturally women are cardio bunnies for whatever reason. We sort of get into this like cardio is everything. Um, And I think there's some intimidation about weightlifting. You know, I think you go into the gym and you see all these, you know, people kind of hurling around weights, you know, and if you're just getting started, it's really intimidating to know what to do. Um, what, what, how did that kind of unfold for you? And what do you teach your, um, you know, your followers and, and the people that sign up for your programs, how to get started in that? Because I also see some pretty bad form that can cause injuries. So I, I feel like we need to guide people in the right way here. I, yeah. So I think for me personally, I've never feared putting on a bit of muscle because I've always been sort of drawn to sort of muscular physiques. And I think what's happened with women, I myself had a cardio background as well, mm-hmm. is they see the images of sort of the very big women on stage, sort of the figure ladies and some of the women that I'm not saying they all do this, but some women will take performance enhancing drugs and they just look incredible, don't they? They look like Arnold like Schwarzenegger. The, yeah, the figure, yeah, so they, the figure physique, yeah. And the figure physique is a very big kind of it's not it's not the biggest, is it? Because there's physique as well, but there's figure and their physique and they're very big. So they sort of have this image, their idea in their head. If I do strength training, I'm going to look like that when the reality of it is you can't look like that. You can't really look like that naturally. And you you as an older woman, it's even more difficult to put on muscle. So you're just never going to look like that. Um, Now, some women, they are naturally a bit more that they've got the sort of genes where they can put a bit more muscle on a bit easier than other women but for most women they're never going to look like that they're never going to look so say bulky they call it bulky don't they and so you've got to sort of dispel that myth so I think with me that's why I do a lot of visual stuff so I've got my YouTube channel and I've got my other social media channels because then they see what I look like and I've been really working hard to look like this I'm not bulky you know I'm just what people would they would say oh you look toned oh you've got lovely toned legs they say well actually that's muscle it's muscle and so you know I did the whole cardio thing I did the running and lots and lots of cardio and and that's fine when you're young 
But when you're older, it just doesn't serve you anymore. It's not going to get you the results you want, particularly when you're talking about your midsection and belly fat. What's actually going to reduce your midsection is doing strength training, not particularly on your midsection, actually with the rest of your body. So you're building up muscle and that's going to change your body's metabolism, which is we've lost metabolism through the aging process. And so what what the muscle's going to do is actually enable your body to burn calories more easily and that's kind of what you want when you're older and the problem with cardio doing too much cardio is that can actually counteract your strength training and I get it that people really fear it and I kind of like on my YouTube channel I've got beginners workouts and you know I use resistance bands and body weight so that's a really good way of starting is actually resistance bands and body weights at home you don't need to step inside the gym and you know you can then progress on to sort of dumbbells and actually develop some sort of workouts in the first um, stages of COVID because I didn't have very much equipment at home and you couldn't buy it even if you know you could afford it you couldn't buy it it just wasn't available it wasn't available you're right and yeah. so you know you can use um quite you can get very good results with a minimal amount of equipment from home so I'm very much pro that i think when you get to a certain age if you're a couple of years in that's probably the time to step inside the gym but for women starting out i'd advise doing it from home because it's much less intimidating you can get your form right you can sort of you know it's really accessible because you can just do it either within your working day if you work from home or get up early in the morning do it then and then you've just kind of got it done. And, you know, you can use follow along videos on my channels like my YouTube channels. You can buy workouts. You know, there's a ton of stuff available to you now to actually do some sort of strength training and get that right. And then maybe later down the line when you kind of got, you know, a bit better at it, that's the time when you can kind of step in the gym and start sort of lifting a bit heavier and using varying your equipment and your sort of repertoire of of different exercises and i always tend to go for and you can still do this at home as you're starting out the main exercises that are really great for this stage in life are sort of things like your squats your deadlifts, your push-ups, you know, you can do a push-up on a wall. You do not have to start with a full military push-up on the floor. Um, You've got- Or even on your knees. Yeah, on your knees. You know, this is where people sort of fear it a bit because they think, oh, I can't do that. But it's not, you can't do it. It's, I'm a great believer in saying, you can't, I can't do it yet. So I couldn't do full body weight exercises until I was over 50. It's never too late, as you found out, Maria, to sort of actually start something new and just push yourself a little bit further. And now I can kind of do dips, full pull-ups, which, you know, a lot of younger girls can't do, but I've just been persistently, you know, actively practicing and getting better at it. But when you start, you can't you can't do all those things. And that doesn't matter because what you're doing is you're building up your strength. If you're skinny, you have a high metabolic rate, you're exercising maybe one to two days. If you have a lot of reserves, you have a little bit more weight, you have a low, slow metabolic rate, so you have more reserve and you burn less. Then it will happen around day two, three, or maybe at four, fourth day. But let's say most people will get it between day two and three. 
in, in autophagy won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2016. It's a big, big discovery. It's a, a lot of doctors call it the miracle of biology. This is how our body fixes itself to survive, right? So imagine a, a car race, a Formula One car race. When the car gets worn down, you go to a pit stop. And the pit stop, the mechanic comes, they change the wheels, they put more uh, oil and gas, and they, they fix everything going wrong. This is what happens during a prolonged fasting of two to three days. Um, and, and, and it's the body cleaning the cells. So, biologically. so it's, it's that cellular renewal, so to speak, yeah. right? Kind of the body cleaning out. I almost envision it like a little broom, you know, sweeping out the old stuff to make way for the good stuff, the new stuff, right? Yeah, it's part of survival of being new and effective. And, um, and, and now the issue is that who's going to do three and four and five days of water fast? So, so difficult. But when we did the trials in mice first, they were like, you know, for example, cancer cure rate went from 36% to 93%. Wow. Diabetes reversal rate was off the roof. We're talking about hundreds of percents higher. So we showed this data to the National Institute of Health, and they were fascinating with it. And we, we, we were not able to, in humans to do trials on water fast because people couldn't fast for four or five days. And then they said, okay, we're going to support your labs, your research with money from the NIH um, to develop the fasting mimicking diet. And basically the fasting mimicking diet is a nutrition that we formulate. Um, you know, the commercial name of Prolon, there are others for, for health conditions, but basically it's a food that we deliver to you at home. Uh, bars, soups, snacks, olives, drinks. So you get your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But they're specifically formulated to nourish your body, but not to take the cells of fasting. And, and I, I need to mostly explain that because people will be like, wait a second, fasting is no food. How you're mimicking fasting with food. So to explain that, there are two ways the body recognizes food. One way we call it at the endocrine level, meaning the systemic level, when you eat carbs, you know, insulin increases as a response. Insulin is a growth factor, is a signal that there's food. And if you eat proteins, then insulin-like growth factor, IGF-1, increases, telling the body, hey, there's protein. So the body at the, at the systemic level recognizes foods through insulin and IGF. They're both growth factor. If there's a signal of growth, it means there's food. And so the, our food is specifically designed to not spike insulin and insulin-like growth factor. They barely increase and they plateau and then they decrease. So the system at the, at, the, at, the, at the level of the blood level is not feeling that there's a growth signal. So like shit, we're still in a fasting signal. Mm -hmm. When food gets into the cell, it's specifically designed to not trigger enough the nutrient sensing pathway of the cell. So the cell senses food through three radars, PKA, TOR, and RAS. And if our food is designed to, when by the time it gets to the cell, it is barely triggering these sensors. So basically, the body is not feeling the food and the cells are not feeling the food, although we're nourishing you. And, um, and so this is, this is the secret behind the fasting mimicking diet is the body doesn't recognize it and the cells don't recognize it. And therefore, we give you the benefits of fasting without having to do the starvation fasting on water. 
Okay. So this is kind of, it's a pretty interesting concept because you're still getting to eat, but the body is still recognizing it as fasting. Exactly. Correct. So, So if that's the case, how, how long and how often do you recommend that people do this? I mean, is this something that we're supposed to be doing daily or are we supposed to be doing it maybe once a month or how, how frequent are we, you know, what is your recommendation on the frequency that we should be, you know, intermittent yeah. fasting? So this is not intermittent, right? Intermittent fasting is only the 16 hours and you can do intermittent fasting daily just to lose weight. But if you want to do, the prolonged fasting with Prolon, P-R-O-L-O-N, is the five-day nutrition that we talked about that keeps your body into a prolonged five-day fast. And you would lose a lot of weight on average five to eight pounds in just five days, but you would rejuvenate yourself. And this is the interesting piece that, that we think is very much a pro-longevity-based uh, lifestyle. So you do Prolon five days only two to three times a year if you're healthy. So, and and by the way, this is how you figure out when a CEO tells you you should do my product only three times a year, that should send you a signal. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Right. And and so if you're healthy, let me give you two profiles. You're 40, uh, you're active, you just have, you know, just few pounds to shed. Um, Otherwise, you don't have a health condition. You're not that concerned yet. And you want to do the prolonged fast just to, to rejuvenate yourselves. And to a little bit, just a little bit of weight. So you can do that once a quarter or three or four times a year. Only that. So when you go to Prolon to buy it just three times, that's it. Now, if you're 55, 60-ish, you feel that, you know, I have a, I'm, I'm, it's, a, you, it's difficult to shed off your weight. You're concerned about potentially having a health incident. You're kind of feeling the aging on your body and you want a deeper renewal. This is when you can do it four or five or six times per per year. Uh, We start believing the BS that gets served up in popular culture that we're on the downhill, right? Things are going downhill. Can't produce muscle anymore. You're never going to be in the same shape that you were in your 20s and your 30s and even your 40s. Um, And then J-Lo came along. And, you know, I mean, people are defying what that norm is you know people are giving us a different look at what being a mature aging woman can look like and i love that i'm not normal i am the girl that hula hoops that wears cutoff shorts that you know wears a bikini i don't care if my gut's hanging out like i'm never going to let age chronologic chronological age be a deterrent for for what I want to do and I want to show you that you don't have to accept that either um I got my mojo back by doing this getting ready for this competition it gave me purpose and training it gave me um you know it pushed me to my limit it has continues to push me to my limits physically um and mentally because the discipline that goes into it, the, the, the regimen of eating and the workouts and the requirement for rest and then, you know, kind of releasing all your inhibitions and learning how to pose, you know, 
it's all been really, really, I believe, positive for me. I recognize that this is all to get to show, you know, stage ready showmanship. Like this is not going to be something that lasts forever. And that's the mindset that you need to be in if you decide this is what you want to go down. Uh, the route that you want to go down. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, though. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, If you are the kind of person who has just a really hard time passing up food and the idea of not drinking alcohol is just too much for your brain to comprehend, this is not going to work. You have to connect with a stronger why, a why that says, you know, I want to do this for X, Y, Z, because it means something to me. You know, when I went to my trainer for the first time and he asked me, why do you want to do this? And I said, you know, I want to show women 50 and up, even 40 and up, that it's never too late. That whether you've been injured or you've been knocked down in life or you have had something that you didn't feel like you could ever get through, you can overcome. You know, I was a single mom for 13 and a half years to two beautiful children who have grown up and are becoming amazing big people. And uh, I started a business during that time. I really surprised myself in a lot of ways. I published a book. I like check marked a lot of things from a, uh, from a career standpoint but I never really got the physical part that I want. I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Being an athlete, being a, a sports lover of sports um, and, and just admiring what the human body can do has always been in my bandwidth. It's always been, I, I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. I watched Nadia Comaneci and I was like, that's who I want to be. You know, I wanted to be a cyclist. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Like being active has always been an intrinsic part of who I am, but I've never gotten to that level before. I've never gotten to like that big stage level. So I guess this is a cathartic way for me to say, yes, I have made it to a stage. I have worked my tail off to get here. And, um, you know, I may not show like everyone else, I may not be the most muscular person, but I can say with a full heart that I put my all in and that whatever ends up happening, I'm gonna have a big smile on my face. I'm gonna be grateful that I can walk and that my knee is working and that it doesn't give me pain anymore and that I have made a lot of progress on this journey. What about portion sizes? Can we just kind of shift to that for a second? Because I think what also puts us into trouble is we get into this place where we're a little delusional about what a portion size should look like. And if we're going out to eat, you know, chances are they're giving us way more calories in a meal than we're supposed to be getting. I mean, is there a way to also tell your brain, look, I'm going to eat until I am satisfied, like two thirds full, not over full. And I'm going to eat slowly to achieve that. Like, how do you also coach people on once the food's in front of them? How do they just 
you know, eat to moderation. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all natural and patented line of food wash and wipes. And it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab tested. And it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too. And that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals. It's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. We do it in stages um, because it's my firm understanding from having worked in the food industry and having, you know, we've seen almost 2000 clients, um, you know, who are struggling with binge eating that there's so much going on to break our full meters that it it takes four to six months of having some more, more objective measures. What that looks like might be, um, you know, if you go out to eat, tell yourself that half the portion is for me, half the portion is for my reptilian brain. Mm. And so you, you take home the second half, you cut, you know, Use a knife, cut it in half on the plate, and um, literally have them have the waiter take it away, so it's not even a temptation. Right? <laughs> yeah, or, or or bag it up or something for later, or, or something like that. But just just know that the portions are probably about double what you need. It's a, a good heuristic, and it, it'll give you a lot of protection. Um, or to use something else that's objective, like maybe you think a meal is. Um, one fist of protein, something about the size of your fist of protein, something about the size of your fist of starch and, you know, two fists of vegetables, and then maybe a piece of fruit for dessert or something like that. Um, but, but have some kind of objective measure for the first few months where you're getting used to uh, normal portion sizes and, you know, accustoming yourself to not really eating what our society um, condones as eating, because we, we live in a society where everybody tacitly encourages each other to slowly commit suicide with food. I mean, mm. We, we, we just don't live in a healthy, um, Jakarta Krishnamurti said it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And unfortunately I think that's what it's come to. Do you think that that, um, philosophy is something that like this whole idea of people wanting to put themselves first and be in the spotlight, um, is something that you see as a problem? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I was before I did all this. I was, I didn't have social media. One day I had to pop up and have social media. We weren't allowed to have social media in a lot of perspectives that well, you know where I worked at, and um, you need 
in social media growth. Sometimes people can use social media for the best in the world, and sometimes they use it for evil, meaning that they want to be viral, they want to do something, and sometimes, and unfortunately, they can attack other people do it just to get that recognition, to get a laugh, to get yeah. those views, to get those followers. <clears throat> and at the same time, is they don't realize with this day and age from pandemic to, to pre and post and all these other different things, mental health is at its worst. You know, you got to think about that, especially for the kids, you know, with the bullying, with this stuff and not even kids, but just everybody in general It's yeah. very hard to deal with that. And it's always like you have to tiptoe. I mean, I've been attacked on social media a million times. I can do that. I can, I can save a million kids or jump out of a burning building with kittens in my hands and people attack me anyway because they'll say you think you're better than us. And it's just the way it is, because if you see somebody different and you're envious of them inside and Internally, you know that they're going to attack you and I'm, I'm I'm okay with being different. I can take it. I can take all the attacks in the world because I've been attacked so much that it doesn't matter to me. You know, as long as you're not threatening my kids, my, you know, my family on that part of it or coming around me because it's just not my nature. But here on social media, you have to realize I can take a bullet for each and every person that I continue to do. So I tell everybody your representation of what you want to be represented as, you know, that'll get different people. It may get you viral videos and have millions of followers, but what do you bring with that? What's your legacy? What's your give back? You know, are you just one of those takers? And it's a lot of people that's just those takers. Yeah, I agree. I think that you have to understand what you stand for, regardless of what, how many followers or how many likes or how many views you get. Are you actually living your purpose and sharing that with the world? And that's the first thing I noticed by uh, about you, your energy, your purpose, who you are and everything that you do. It was just an instant like relationship. It's like she's amazing, which you are. I the feeling is very, very mutual. So you are really you've got so many things going on right now in your career. I wonder sometimes when you sleep, but you've got your meal prep, you've got, you know, shows that you're part of, you've got your new book. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about your book. Call me chef. Damn it. Call me chef. Damn it. Can you talk Uh, a little bit about why you wrote the book and and what people will learn about you? So Call Me Chef Dammit is actually one of the things that happened when I was as a a up and coming young chef, you know, trying to be and not being involved or accepted in a community of chefs. Um, It's not a cookbook. It just tell I was very I I told people what they um, needed to hear and not what they wanted to hear. Uh, and it went very transparent about all my good, my bad, my difference, my failures, my successes, my, you know, from toxic leadership to 9-11, being involved in 9-11 when the plane hit in the Pentagon to, you know, just people attacking me to all these different things. I, I let people know and I was very transparent about all those different things. And um, and then from that, it went number one for dealing with toxic leadership, dealing with with suicide ideation, dealing with PTSD, uh, learning from toxic uh, leadership development, so many different things that came from, which I didn't know it would go that route. Now I'm doing a cookbook, which is gonna be out uh, the following year. And it is, I actually changed the demographics of it. And I wanted to be like you, which you appreciate, 
I want to be on the health and fitness side universally, you know, and use food what it was meant to be, you know, as holistic medication, family, gathering, love, you know, uh, relationships, all those different things. I want people to go back to appreciating food for what it is and know the properties of it on how to use it, whether you're doing it for yourself, for your health, for different things. I mean, food is amazing, herbs, vegetables, all those different things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love that, you know, you stand for so many social issues that people um, oftentimes are not aware of. And I love your suicide prevention initiative and awareness, your your push up challenge. I remember I challenged you to push ups. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I had a momentary lapse of um, any 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 sort of intelligence at that point. Me challenge you to push ups. But we had a lot of fun. We got everybody on the floor doing 22 push ups. Right. Why 22? 20 group vets commit suicide a day. And uh, I caveat that with, you know, just the kids, again, about bullying and the mental uh, capacity in this world where, you know, uh, suicide between the ages 11, 27, actually 11 and 32 is number two in deaths in this country. Number 10 on the radar in this country in its entirety. And, uh, you know, that's hard. I stand for that. I have a lot of causes. I'm, I'm actually the spokesperson person uh, for the National Cancer Society, which is going to kick off in November for Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, so my causes are deep. I, I tell people, don't make something your cause when it happens to you or your family or something. I don't care if it's from pets to whatever, whatever you believe in. Don't say this person has something and now all of a sudden it's the most important thing in the world. You have to you have to emphasize to each and every person's needs and wants, you know, whether it be autism, whether it be something very minute because you never know what might happen and who it may affect. And I was like, okay, there is no help for me in the medical system. That's mm-hmm. clear now. So let's go find some solutions. Mm-hmm. So I started eating again. I started, like you said, spoiler alert, started eating regular quote unquote regular food and 50 pounds came back on like in a matter of two months. Mm-hmm. And I felt so out of control because they weren't bad foods. Like we would say bad foods, right? I was eating a very clean, whole food unprocessed diet. So now I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. Why is this not working? Yeah. So I ended up um, going into a master's degree in nutrition and my studies are in traditional nutrition. So it's looking at foods that we evolved to eat and how they nourish our bodies and you know all those things. So in that process, I started to learn a lot about gut health and discovered that my own gut health was a raging mess. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that changed my life, I went to a conference and um, this was a gut health conference. And a man stood up and I wish I knew his name, but he stood up and he said, okay, we have this new uh, data and research from the National Gut Institute. And they've concluded now that all autoimmune diseases, and that word stops me every time because all, all is actually my favorite number. Mm. I like all the things, Mm. (laughs) give me all the things. So he said my favorite number. So I'm listening. Mm. So all autoimmune diseases, 100% of autoimmune diseases begin in the gut. All. All. That's inclusive of every single one. Every single autoimmune disease. So he said that. And I remember this moment because everyone in the audience sat up straighter. <laughs> and there was like this hush. And he said, you know, we were finally realizing that Hippocrates 2,500 years ago when he said all disease begins in the gut. What do you know? He must have had some inside secrets, right? Yeah. But the mechanism of why that happens is because 80% of the immune cells in our body are made in the gut. 
So if you've got immune cells attacking your thyroid or attacking your tissues or your joints or anything in your body, why, why are they doing that? Where did they come from? Well, we better take a look in your gut. So that was the turning point for me where I was like, I've never had gut testing in my entire life. I've had everything else poked and prodded, but haven't had any gut testing. Had you had any, any gut specific symptoms though? Like, and, and let's just take a pause here to kind of break down what that means. So oftentimes people will experience bloating or indigestion or um, diarrhea going to the bathroom or, Mm -hmm. you know, some, some kind of clue that's saying like, I'm backed up or I can't seem to get in a regular rhythm of going to the bathroom. Yep. So the answer to your question is no. And again, this is where the medical system, it's come a long way because this of course was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, But they have this checklist of symptoms. Like you said, are you having gas? Are you having bloating? Is there constipation? Is there diarrhea? Is there mixed stools? And for me, the answer was really unremarkable. Mm. Therefore, we're not going to test anything. Mm. And um, it's funny because later I got diagnosed with celiac disease, but I actually went to a gastroenterologist and had all this testing done. And I was positive for celiac antibodies, but they did a scope and there was no tissue damage. So they were like, well, it's not celiac, which we now know is diagnosed regardless of the scope, because obviously it hadn't had time to destroy my VLA. But um, anyway, no, I wasn't having overt symptoms. Therefore, it was just kind of like IBS is what they diagnosed me with. Mm. Your bowel is irritable. We don't know why IBS. So, so you really anyway, did have celiac. Yeah, I did have celiac and that was missed. It was missed for two years after seeing gluten was obviously a big part of your, you know, your gut being degraded. Thank you. And let's talk about that in relation to Hashimoto's. So the gluten was a huge trigger and I pulled that out and began feeling better really quickly and started losing weight and my thyroid dose started coming down and my hair was a real pivot point big pivot point. My hair started coming back, started feeling better. Um, so I really got interested in what that mechanism was. This was back in, that was like 17 years ago. So this is before everything was labeled gluten-free and, you know, you couldn't go down and get things off the shelves. So of course, with my nutrition degree, I remember I had lists of like every single ingredient that might have gluten. And I'd like go and read all the things. And it's a lot. It shows up in things like soy sauce where it was, you would, most it's in mayonnaise. even look for it. Right? right. Yeah. You'd find it in these things that you're like mayonnaise. Okay. Not getting that one. Like it, it, it was a lot of work. And nowadays it's wonderful because companies label to the point where it's even hilarious. I saw carrots the other day that were labeled gluten-free. I know. <laughs> I'm always, I always laugh when I'm like, olive oil, gluten-free. I'm like, Great. Why, why would there be gluten in olive oil? Okay. It's good marketing, marketing yeah. 101. Yeah. yeah, so funny. But anyway, I got really interested in that mechanism. So what I discovered in that is, like you said, gluten can be very, very triggering and cause inflammation in the gut. And with someone with an autoimmune condition, we often have issues with proteins leaking out of the gut and that's just due to inflammation. So in my case, there was a lot of inflammation in my gut. It was causing these proteins to leak out. And by protein, I mean gluten. Mm -hmm. So the gluten is a protein in these wheat products or barley and, you know, different gluten products. So anyway, it was leaking out into the bloodstream and the immune system has one job 
it's to decide what's me and what's not me. And that's the job of your immune system too, Maria, right? So gluten is not me. Therefore, if it leaks out of my bloodstream, my immune system sits right there. The, The immune producing cells are there. So they see this gluten and they say, oh, that's not messy. We should launch an attack. Yeah. And that's beautiful for anything. Like, let's say it's strep. If it's strep, perfect. We're going to take care of it. Well, in this case, it's food. So it takes care of the gluten. It creates these antibodies. Well, the problem is the gluten protein looks nearly identical to the thyroid hormone. And this becomes a problem for an activated immune system. Mm -hmm. So what we know now is the immune system will kill that gluten. And then it will be like cops roaming the alleys going to see if there's any more gluten sees my own thyroid tissue and starts to say, Hey, wait a second. No, you're not allowed here. Your happiness is created from before, like meaning like your happiness is created through your reality. And how do you create your reality? You all, we all have a reality. How do you create it? You create it to your thoughts, what you're thinking on, what you're focusing on. So all of this old, like law of attraction, think positive, that stuff actually doesn't really work because you're not understanding the whole picture, which is both. So we start with the understanding there's polarity. We start with the understanding that our negative thoughts, uh, anything negative will pull our attention three times more. So if everything is equal, one unit of positive, one unit of negative, the negative will feel three times stronger. So we start with that awareness that it's, it's the perception of how you've been looking at that negative, those negative situations for so long. So everything starts with the first step. So the first step is understanding that. And then the next step is you don't say, oh, I'm gonna just suppress the negative. I'm just not gonna think about it. You, you, you're like, okay, it exists. So let's work on strengthening positive muscle. And that positive muscle is strengthened through how I talk about my life, how I look at my life. And so we start with, and this is, a, this is actually a, a scientific, uh, exercise and I do start with this at the end of the day you go back over your life and you think of three specific things that you might not have noticed the day before if you do this for seven days in a row you will actually change a a, a neural pathway towards more positive so the idea here is if we don't control our thoughts if we don't set intentions for how we want to uh, live our life, we'll end up blaming and complaining everyone else. So now that's all it is. It's that simple. So if you want to start and you say like, yeah, where do I even start? My life is just such a big mess. Well, we can't change that mess sometimes. Sometimes it's just time and space needs to play it out. So we start with, okay, let's look for one positive thing at the end of the day, three, three at the end of the day. It's not as easy as it sounds. Most people say, I'm grateful for my health and grateful for the, uh, this. You have to be specific when we're negative. We are so specific. I don't like the way that person chooses food and it just drives me crazy. And every time you come, we're so specific with negative, but with positive, it's like, oh yeah, it was a good day, but you want to be what specific was good about the day. What specifically did you appreciate about John bringing you donuts or coffee because he thought of you. So the more specific you can get with the things that you do have in your life right here, right now that are happening, the more you'll start to be able to change the reality of how you look at the negative things in your life. And consequently, you will feel better over time. And it's not instant, but it happens. But if you can do this exercise seven days in a row, if you forget it, you've got to start from over. It takes eight days. And they found that uh, seven days on the eighth day, they found that they can check. And in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you're still like on that 
you still have shifted that neuron. So that's how we start. That's how we start. And then with that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual thing, we just have a bunch of classes. If you need to get over guilt, you need to see how and say, say no, you need to clear your clutter. You got to find meaning and purpose so that we have pretty much everything, um, the pieces, but at the core is really accepting that there's two sides to everything. I love what you're saying about focus, where you put your focus is where you put your future is what I say, you know, and um, it's interesting because I just launched a program that helps women over 40 and the three anchors are food, fitness and focus. Because oh, well-being, right? Well-being has everything to do with focus and where you put your energy and your thoughts and then food and fitness help to also change your your chemistry, your, your actual physical chemistry so that you're even able to focus. Because what I find is a lot of people come to the table and they're seeking happiness and they're seeking joy in their life, but they have devastating habits. You know, they don't eat the right way. They don't exercise at all, or, you know, sleep is a problem. And in order to get your focus on track, all those things have to be in alignment too. Do you ever come to the table, so to speak, with, you know, the people that are doing your program and examine those other aspects of their life as well? Yeah, we look at all of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's and again, most people will come with their with their perceived problem. Like I have this. Somebody's annoying. They come with that, and then. As they start to, and you start with wherever they're at, like I'm mentally stressed, I'm burnt out, I don't know my purpose, like you know, my husband or wife is just driving me crazy. So we start with the problem, but then these things all get woven in and all it takes is intention. And like you said, focus, like we have gotten so lazy with the way we think a thought comes out and we believe it. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, then I'm not good enough. You swirl in those thoughts. Yeah. So you have to be mindful enough to recognize what are you thinking? Because every thought you think is stitching together pieces of what what is your lens of how you see life and that reality has to change before anything else can change once you change your reality your life will come to meet you once you shift how you look at things your life will show you how you've shifted but it's just like boiling water i tell people you don't just put a pot of water and turn on the heat and go why isn't it boiling and turn off the heat and walk away go oh, oh darn it let's try it again turn on the heat and then you wait and it's like damn it it's not working it, you have to turn on the heat and keep it on because once once you start to get the habit of how to think it's not it's it's a habit you just naturally go there and people say oh you seem like you're so happy you manifest all these amazing things i manifest equal amount of non-amazing things in my life <laughs> because of the, it's a world of polarity but yeah. i've recognized that i love the, the the things we're manifesting on the good side and now I have capacity to deal with the things that I couldn't have dealt with last year, 10 years ago. So it's that it's we're constant, just like you're getting stronger. You don't just go in and go, oh, let me just bench press 500 pounds. You work up to it. So I think that's the biggest thing. Like we need to recognize that we can start right now. We just need to make a commitment, just like how you brush your teeth. You, you, you started, someone forced you to do it, your parents. And now it's like something you can't not do. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? 
I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.